What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Cinderella, and I am back with another case. I will say, please don't be alarmed if I sound congested or I get stopped up during this episode. I am overcoming a little cold because... I told y'all last week, Georgia weather had me fucked up, bro. Like, I didn't know what to wear, how to wear it, when to wear it, and bitch got caught slipping, okay? So, I'm a little backed up. Anyways, this week's case is a murder. Um, I'm so excited. I enjoyed City Girl Crime last week. However, I got to go with my heart lies, and I love talking about murder. <laughs> First, we got to identify the theme of the case, and I will come to the very straightforward conclusion of family. Family is the foundation of your life. It sets the foundations how you will interact with people and what you feel like is morally right. Your family gives you that compass to go down your own personal path. However, it's a good family and there's a bad family, and... This case is rooted in the upbringing in a bad family and ultimately caused harm to good families. First, if we're going to talk about family being the theme, I do want to let you all get some pieces of me during this podcast journey. And one of the reasons I chose this case is because I am a Louisiana Creole. Like, I am not from Louisiana at all, unfortunately. It's a great place to be from. Um, But my culture, my family history, we're all from Louisiana Creoles. But, you know, people migrate. I exposed myself on Twitter earlier this week. I was actually born in Seattle, Washington. (laughs) So, though I am not a thoroughbred Southern girl, I was a girl raised in the South, okay? So, don't disrespect me. I moved to Savannah before the age of four and then moved to the South Side of Atlanta around the age of 13. So, I'm full-bred Georgia girl, okay? There is a difference between Creoles and Cajuns. However, you could be a little bit of both if you're a majority of French. However, my family is influenced mainly by Haiti, some French and Spanish influences as well. That is kind of what made me like, I was like, is there any good murders that happened in Louisiana? Let me let me see what I can find. And what I found, oh my gosh, y'all. So the first African-American woman serial killer it's from Louisiana. Ain't that cool? She occasion, but okay, that's a little cool, right? So this week, we're not going to focus on the victims because she's a serial killer. We're going to focus on Miss Clementine Barnabé. Clementine was born in St. Martinsville, Louisiana in 1894. Um, her family moved to the outskirts of Lafayette, Louisiana, around the age of nine um her father was a sharecropper but we know that wouldn't have brought in a lot of money so he you know supplemented his income as a petty thief (laughs) but he spent that on alcohol and his mistresses 
and spent his spare time abusing his wife and kids. So Clementine didn't have the greatest upbringing. Her and her brothers were wild. They were in the streets causing ruckus. Um, Their neighbors described them as filthy, shifty degenerates. How kind. (laughs) I don't know if she had any identity issues. She was poor class and her father was black, but it is said in the newspapers that she was mulatto. So her complexion was darker, but she was a mixed child. It's weird reading papers in the early 19th century because I already knew they had an overt racism towards us, but like actually reading Negress inside the newspapers kind of like just, ugh, I did not like that. They were just, you know, reckless. Her family was religious, as most descendants of slaves are. Um, <laughs> as we've gone through generations in my current generation, we definitely see how distorted the religion they taught us to keep us in order is different from the actual word intended by God. But <clears throat> they did not participate in a regular church. They were members of the Church of the Sacrifice. So, they were a little different. It is said that they practice voodoo on the regular and not the the good, holistic, spiritual religion that it is. They played with the dark side. Somehow, they distorted the word sanctity to equate to sacrifice Clementine's father, Raymond, and some followers of the Sacrifice Church took that to mean they would be protected for their sins no matter what they did. The first murder was in 1909, and initially it was not connected to the crimes that sparked newspaper interest and the police interest. This murder, because who cares if a black family gets killed, was not really paid attention to, but it was a black woman and her two children. They were killed in their homes while they were sleeping with an axe. In February of 1911, it was a very gruesome discovery by a cousin that was coming to get Walter to do work the next morning. The Byers family was murdered in their home. Walter Byers, his wife, and their young son were all killed while they were sleeping with an axe. So while the Lafayette police were trying to kind of wonder who did this murder, Two weeks later, in the same month of February, the Andrus family was murdered. Alexander, his wife, and their two sons were murdered in their home while they were sleeping, also by an axe. The axe had always been left at the home. As they looked at both of those murders, they realized that 
the person who came into the home grabbed the family's axe that they probably had in their backyard or next to the door and murdered them with their own axe in the home. The police initially thought it was uh, an escaped lunatic. <laughs> um, a Mr. Garcon Godfrey had recently escaped from the mental asylum, and so they thought he could have been the root of these gruesome murders. However, they went to his mama house. <laughs> they went to his mama house, and she was like, I ain't, he ain't here, I ain't seen them. And then when they did finally catch up to him, like a deputy found him, he was at his people house, and it was like, nah, he actually been here the whole time. He here, so he actually had an alibi for the murders. The police couldn't ignore it for real because now it's two whole families. Like, that is seven people that have been murdered in one month in the Negro community. Now, we know the police force was only created to police black communities, but they were not created to protect black communities. So policing, especially in the early 19th century, right after slavery and... <laughs> These are descendants of the KKK, the creators. They didn't care initially, but they had to pay attention because we don't want this murderer coming into the white community, right? Like, they were fine killing the Negroes, but this is serious. They, they don't have no bars. They're killing kids, too. After Garcon was returned to the mental asylum, March 22nd, the beginning of the airy season, right when the spring season starts in Texas, about 30 miles out, though, because it's not like, ooh, a whole different state. Mm, you know, it's a hop, skip, and a jump. So it was about 30 miles out from where the murders were occurring. Louis Cassaway and his white wife and their three children were murdered. And yes, they were murdered with an axe in their sleep. So this caused an uproar because Lewis was a good Negro. That was the paper's words, not mine. But he was a good Negro, and he was married to a white woman, and they killed a white woman. Like, oh, my gosh, we have to focus on these crimes now. They bringing in hella niggas, hella niggas. Like, hey, were you here? Were you here? Were you here? Did it, didn't. None of them fit the bill. None of them had any evidence in their homes, no blood, clothes, nothing. Well, they got a tip from a woman. She was like, my homegirl fucking with this married man. And he be beating her ass. And he told her he was going to kill her like he did a family. So you need to go talk to her. Her name Diana. So they go to talk to Diana. And she was like, I ain't never had a conversation with her. I don't know what she's talking about. But see... Diana was fucking Raymond Barnabas, Clementine's daddy. And they went ahead and brought him in because he already had a violent past. You know, he already known to be beating on his wife. He be stealing and shit. So they brought him in, but there was no evidence. But they went ahead and let him go, but rearrested him. He was arrested in the summer of 1911. They took that man to trial, right? And his... Daughter Clementine and his son Zephyrin. <laughs> Them some country ass names. But Clementine and Zephyrin testified and say that they not only told the courts how he's mad abusive to their mama and to them and be beating on them. Clementine went as far to say, like, 
I remember the day he came home from the Andrews killing and his shirt was his blue shirt was covered in blood and he gave it to me and told me I better clean it or he's gonna beat my ass and then he was threatening my mama that he was gonna kill us like he killed that family. And Zephyrin was like, Yup, yup, that happened, that happened. But the mama was like, I don't know nothing about no bloody shirt. He ain't say nothing about no family, but he did threaten to kill us. <laughs> so they went ahead and convicted Raymond of murder and sentenced him to hanging in October 1911. Well, the problem became in November 1911 when the Randall family was murdered with an ex while they were sleeping. So how can that happen if the murderer is in jail, right? Child, they killed Norbert Randall, his wife Azima, and four children that were inside the home. Eight-year-old Albert, five-year-old Norbert Jr., and two-year-old Agnes was beaten to death by the blunt side of the axe. And six-year-old Renee was actually visiting, was murdered as well. But now the police is, like, stuck on stupid. And they trying to figure out, like, how can this happen if the main murder we thought is in jail, right? So they start rounding up some more people. And they end up arresting a Reverend King Harrison. He was the leader of his church, but it was a Pentecostal-led church. It was, like, visibly shaking. Like, I ain't got nothing to do with this. Why y'all arresting me? I'm a reverend. I will not kill anybody. But he was by the scenes of the crime. He did tell the police that he saw Clementine and her friend, a young woman named Irene, around the time of the murders. And they told him, like, hey, you need to go check on the Randall home because I think somebody been killed over there. So, he was there after the fact, right? But how did they know that? How did Clementine know that? And why was Clementine there? So, the police had to go get Clementine, right? And Clementine got arrested, started getting questioned, and Shadi said, all right, yeah, I killed him. I killed the whole family. I actually killed the other families, too. I'm actually a high priestess of my church, of the Church of Sacrifice. She was 17 years old, and she had just admitted to murdering over 10 people. So, and not only in her confession did she admit to killing these families, she said that she shot Randall. So, not only is Clementine in police custody just bragging about her good work she mentioned that she shot randall and that was something that nobody really knew so they automatically just took her to trial because randall was shot after he was stabbed in the chest with the axe well not stabbed sliced chopped hammered how what what would you call an axe slaying anyways after he was attacked with the axe he was shot with a gun clementine said she stole the gun from one of her brothers and then put it back after she left so he wouldn't know it was missing so when they took her to trial clementine acted a motherfucking fool on that stand bro they started asking her questions about the murders that she was claiming like not only was she claiming this murder um that happened while raymond was in custody she was claiming all the murders and 
of course, they weren't really believing her because you was just the one testifying against your dad saying how evil and crazy he was and that he was the murderer. So why all of a sudden are you claiming to be the murderer? And she was like, because like I felt like I was protected. She telling her story like they, they like how you do it. Yeah, I attacked them with the axe, sliced them in the breastbone area, then shot them, drained them of their blood, put it in a bucket. You know, we had some bloodied orgies. Now, it might not be the orgy you just thought of at that moment, okay? When she said that, she meant like they frolic, dance, played music after they murdered these families because it was part of a voodoo ritual and they believe the sacrifice of human life gave them immortality so when her father was pinpointed as the initial murderer she went ahead and went with that because she felt like that was god's protections for her to continue with her plan goal i don't know i don't at 17 and coming from a poor neighborhood i don't know what you really thought you was going to be known for, but being known as a murderer is something that maybe some people strive to be. Fame is fame at this point, and they were eating her up, okay? If I'm claiming to be the high priestess of this voodoo sacrificial church, and I've murdered all these families, and I'm 17 years old, and you're referring to me as the, the voodoo negress of Louisiana, yeah, let me eat that fame up real quick, bro. Let me get that. They were definitely making a spectacle of this because of the the interest of the voodoo and honestly it's such a disrespect to the religion of voodoo people fetishize what they think voodoo is and it is a very much religion and it's something to be respected however in this case and the way she was perpetrating it was a dark magic but like I said, she only understand laughing, telling like with a gleeful smile, telling her story about how she's murdering these families. And they asked her why she killed children. And she said, because I didn't want to leave them orphans in this world. I mean, sis, I think you could have accomplished that without murder. But then people are aghast. And when I say like that enriched her story more like she started adding more details that made the police question like bro she can't be telling the truth but she's she's either psycho or she's lying well they did the psych evaluations and she was perfectly sane fit to stand trial they had to go with maybe she's lying so after her testimony they told the jury that they need to go deliberate, but they cannot come to a final decision until after the police investigate some of the details of her story to corroborate, right? And that's mad wild to me. Like, listen, in 2021, I still don't even understand our judicial system because a white boy was found not guilty today of killing two nonviolent protesters, it's 2021 okay so i don't i get confused by our judicial system but in the 19th century you're telling me that i can present a case to a jury but tell them hey i ain't got all my evidence ready yet i still gotta go question a couple more people and get an alibi straight real quick so hold on off what your final decision may be because i really want to find this person guilty <laughs> huh 
they went ahead and made their decision. It wasn't too much evidence they could find the next day. So they made a decision. She's guilty, right? She's fucking crazy. We have to put this woman behind bars. When they sentenced her to life in prison, she was quoted to say, I killed them all, men, women, and babies. And I hugged the babies to my breast. But I am not guilty of murder. Sis, you, you just, what? But you had said she was only found guilty for the murder of the Randall family because of the gunshot and she knew of the details of that crime. Even though she knew the details of the previous crimes, they didn't try her for those crimes. And when they asked her, what do you think your sentence should be? She did a motion at her neck, like hanging, like <laughs> sentenced to death. So they sentenced her to life in the Angola State Prison. Unfortunately, while both Raymond is still in jail and Clementine has now been convicted and is in jail. Three more family murders occurred in January 1912. The most significant one was the murder of the Broussard family. Felix, his wife, and three children were murdered in their sleep with an axe. The one thing that was different about this murder was written on the wall in blood with a steady hand was Psalms chapter 9 verse 12. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. And it was signed the human five. When I say the news took this and went up with it, boy, because... This is the first time of all these murders it was a signature, but it was very much similar to the previous murders. They they tried to give some significance to the number five because it was signed the human five, right? And a family of five was killed. And actually, one of the previous murders, it was supposed to be a family of five. However, the wife had a baby the day before they were murdered. So a one-day-old newborn was murdered. So it ended up being six. And that's why they had to continue the murder until they got to the family of five. Like the Randall family, that was supposed to be that family of five murder. And that's the one that they convicted Clementine on the news felt that this murder that was signed by the human five was like the retribution like to finish out her ultimate plan they really gave significance to that number five honestly in numerology five does have a, a more light-hearted meaning and I don't see any research that says that five has like a demonic number or is aligned with the the words sacrifice or immortality so i don't believe that was in real significant but they're still thriving off this this voodoo fetish and trying to make it seem like it's just dark magic and the completion of a circle type situation funny thing is though clementine claimed that crime too mind you she's in jail but she claimed responsibility for that um saying that you know they're finishing out my plan so I'm not going to say they believed it that much. They did try to tie that family murder to the Axeman of New Orleans. Segway, real quick. I'm a true crime nerd. Axeman of New Orleans is an infamous crime. I probably will cover it eventually because I do love Louisiana crimes and how they tie into the culture sometimes. If it's voodoo, magic, history, or music. 
And that's the Axemen of New Orleans. If you don't know too much about the Axemen of New Orleans, I will say watch American Horror Story Coven. That's my absolute favorite season of American Horror Story. Second is The Asylum. But they have an episode called The Axeman. He did not attack families. Also, it's because I'm a criminal minds nerd. If you look into the behavior analysis of like his crimes, that the victims of the Axeman murders were Italians. They were white. And that's odd for black people to kill white people especially back in that day like they're not going to kill multiple white people like they kill a white person and plus the axman in new orleans reached out to media so he wanted that notoriety like he wanted to be known as this and he had put this letter to the newspaper like on this night i'm gonna have it on the city unless you're playing jazz music and so no murders happened that night but he had um more sexual undertones to his murder his murders were focused on women and then men were only killed if they were like in the way so to me the tie that the broussards murder to the axemen is just totally disregarding black history <laughs> honestly i do believe this was part of the church of the sacrifices doing and that was a good segue into the behavior analysis of why I believe Clementine was responsible for all of the murders. Let's go back to the murder I brought up in 1909. The police never really solved that or tied anybody to that. I believe Raymond Barnabé committed that murder to keep his children in line. This is around their teenage years. But she's about 14. Her brother's like 15. They probably being real reckless. And he's trying to keep order. Like, listen, come with me. We about to go do something. He killed a family and say, this is what I would do to your mama and you if y'all fuck with me, right? Because that 1909 murder was a woman and her children. There was no male in that household. So I believe that he kind of put that seed in them of like, I believe that he did the buyers and the Andrews murder with the assistance of his children i do believe clementine played a bigger part like in the 1909 one she was a bystander and the 1911 earlier ones she was an assistant like she was she watched it and then she partook in it right it was the one while raymond was in jail that she really took lead up it and that's when they started saying well that was her very first like lead murder so that's where the significance of five came in because that's what she wanted to kill think about it it was her and two brothers her mom and her dad that number five was a trigger for her and male-led households probably was a bigger trigger for her i think that clementine participated in all these murders and targeted these families because she hated the family she came from so in a sense her dad used a tactic to scare her which actually led her to realize her true hatred for him and that's why she got him out the picture and let the police pin the crimes on him back to the behavior analysis part of it is it, it aligns with my theory that she was killing the fathers of these families and she was killing the mothers for allowing the fathers to destroy the family and then she killed the children because she didn't want them to be orphans so that's why she became a family annihilator but that's just my own personal conclusion okay um clementine again 
I, I told you she was sentenced to life in Angola State Prison. However, she only served a total of 10 years. <laughs> in her first year on July 31st, 1913, she tried to escape from prison and she was brought back the next day. So the bitch did not get far at all. In 1918, she was given a job for good behavior, a.k.a. you have been reinstated to a slave under penal law. And she was a cane cutter. For another five years, they monitored her behavior. They did a procedure on her. Now, the procedure they did on her was not a lobotomy. If you don't know what a lobotomy is, it's basically when they put, like, drills on the side of your, like, behind your eye sockets to alleviate pressure. Because, you know, most serial killers, they have, like, that frontal lobe disorder, which causes you to be a serial killer. But also, back in the day, they did lobotomies for, like, mental patients who were too crazy bad headaches, nothing else worked. They would drill these holes in their head, separate their frontal lobe from their brain, and basically think they're back to normal. Most of the people who had a lobotomy never returned to normal. There were a few success stories, but apparently that's not what they did to Clementine. She did not have a lobotomy. Lobotomies were not performed for another 15 years after that, and that was actually founded in the UK before they brought it to the United States. So, And they said that procedure basically returned her to normalcy. After those five years, she was released from prison and never heard from again. Clementine disappeared. Nobody knows where she went. Nobody knows if she died. Nobody knows nothing. However, if you do a little diving, a little conspiracy came out that Clementine lived a very long life, bro. So in 1985, a woman visited her 103-year-old grandmother and was told the story of Clementine Barnabay. You know how them old folks like telling you them good old folklore stories and telling you the, that oral history. Oral history is a lost treasure, I will say that. But the grandma told her granddaughter about the story of Clementine Barnabay, how she was the first African-American. Well, she probably said Negro or because she 103 years old. She ain't saying African-American. She was like the first Negro serial killer was a woman in Louisiana. But it wasn't until after the grandmother died that the granddaughter was given a portrait of her grandmother as a young girl because you know how like you go through those photos and you get those those really good old pictures and be like oh i look like her when she was younger well while she was looking at this youthful portrait of her grandmother somebody had the realization that she looks like she looked like that that woman that serial killer woman they pulled a picture up of clementine barnabay and compared it to the picture that she had of her grandmother. And it was very similar. Very, like, very similar. And at first you could have been like, maybe it's her daughter. But the problem is, the grandmother died at like 106. Okay, and if you do the math, she was born in 1894. This is like in 1986, 1987. Just imagine living a life that long, like... You come from seeing your your father at the tail end of slavery turn into sharecropping. Railroads blossom, streets blossom, cars get invented. Like, computers were being invented in the 80s, you feel me? Cocaine to hit the streets, crack, all that shit, bro. That's a wild life to live. I, I, I hope 
to live that long and tell my children how the computer took up a whole table when I was young and now it's in the palm of your hand. Shit. I hope they still got good weed. <laughs> that is the story of 17-year-old Clementine Barnabé, the first African-American female serial killer. So I posed a question for my followers with no context and I had to ask. Nothing crazy. No hypotheticals. I just have a question. What were you doing at the age of 17? From most of the responses I received, it is just fair to say that everybody had pretty normal teenage years. I had a person say hotboxing my car mostly. I can relate. Another person said, dropping in like it's hot at the teen clubs. And I feel that. I ain't got the same knees I used to have, but I definitely did that too. One gentleman said, real lame, work, school, basketball, video games. Hey, catch you out of trouble. You ain't ended up on death row at the age of 17 like Miss Clementine. One friend said, having a whole lot of fun. And... I'm going to just end it on that. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. And make sure you follow me on IG, Anchor.fm, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts at Cloudy Conclusion.